Welcome to the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. Snap, crackle and cheap pops. And here's your host, Mr. Phil Woodvine. Kieran, how are you doing, sir? Hello, mate. I'm good. Thank you for that introduction. Uh, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm not too bad. You went really, like, middle class then. And I know. It's my commentary voice, man. You brought, as soon as somebody mentions it, it just sort of, like, that's what happens. It's just that it, like, I perk up. It's like, oh, here we go. We might, I need to... <laughs> Maybe, talking... maybe it's just my podcast voice. Maybe that's just it. Oh. No, like, I, I hate hearing oh. my voice back. I mean, I've had to like bet the shows I've done already, and I hate hearing my voice. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's it's, a daily it's... struggle when you go back through trying to think, um, <sighs> oh, I should probably go back through and, and re rewatch these matches and see how I've improved, and it just never happens. It's just like, oh. Yep. I mean, I've got a progressing few show that I was the announcer because my regular guy didn't didn't make it, and I can't watch it. There's some really good matches, and I can't because it's me, proper stokey, and I go even more stokey as soon as I've got a microphone in my hand for attention. So <laughs> I, I, I could turn into Robbie Williams like it, without being able to sing, which I, I suppose you could say is still Robbie Williams. Hey. Uh, nah, not having that. Not having that. Robbie Williams is amazing. Wait, why is the Scousers sticking up with the Stokey? I'm confused. Because Robbie Williams is an absolute legend, mate. But if I start bashing, I know, John Lennon, do you come to the oh, rescue fine. of him that's, as well? That's, well, I mean, well, I'd, I'd still defend John Lennon, but, like, I'm defending one of your own. Well, that was the point. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a heel. I don't care. I hate <laughs> everyone. I hate everyone equally. That's my deal. Fair play. Fair play, yeah. No, no, I'm not, man. Like, Robbie Williams is like my ultimate guilty pleasure, has to be. Um, so, yeah, I will defend Robbie Williams till, till the cows come home. Oh, God. So, we're going to skip past Robbie Williams just. Yeah, that's a really weird start to what we're about to talk about. Oh, it, it, it's been worse. Ryan Mike was on episode one and he managed to call somebody uh, a word you probably shouldn't. I, I, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say it. We're just going to get into it later and <laughs> we'll call it whatever. Uh, but needless to say, it's a probably word you don't want to mention on a podcast. But I told him, look, it's one take. We're going straight in. You mess it up. You say something stupid that costs you bookings. It's all on you. So uh, he's, he's got that to come once these all get uploaded. Nice. Well, nice. So obviously, I know you. Yeah, I've worked with you, whether it's in North Wales, whether it's in Liverpool, wherever. But for those that uh, might be listening through the press and few channels, obviously you haven't worked for us. We were trying to come up with some stuff for you a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. it's going to be a case of being like a, an active manager, so a manager and commentary all in one, because I remember mm-hmm. that's what we were talking about. But for the press and few audience, the Stokey audience, can you kind of give us a little insight into who you are, what brought you to, what brought you to the dance, uh, what you bring to the table, who is Kieran Moran? the performer as well as the person um yeah sure so um i started i got into the business i uh ring announcing in 2014 um when uh i tell this story all the time uh but fabulous uh told me there was um a company called coventry professional wrestling who needed a ring announcer for their show that himself and dan evans were on uh, and they need a ring announcer. Do you want to do it? So I got on the train, went from Leeds down to Coventry, and did the did the show. My first ever show. Uh, it was good. I enjoyed it. And then uh, I was impressed Bert and Dan because they then asked me to be the ring announcer for Just Do, um, and that's where it all kicked off. And then from then, Steve Saxon came over to the show and saw us. Kim Rocks was always really supportive during that time. 
has also offered me a load of advice over the years as well. Absolutely love it to death. Um, and then when Kim fell pregnant, uh, I <laughs> st- fell pregnant, became pregnant. I don't know. <laughs> when, when Kim got pregnant, <laughs> is that the right word? Fell pregnant. That didn't, as soon as that left my mouth, that was like, no, that's not. That's not what it's. That's not the right thing to say. Uh, I mean, the thing is, it's it's probably quite accurate, but I probably shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> Oh when, God! When Kim became pregnant um, and uh, could no longer ring an ounce. Um, she personally, I believe, asked for me to uh, cover for her, which was very nice of her, uh, because that then led to me showing up to a show in July 2017, and Mike Holland turning around to me and going, "So we're going to put you on the commentary desk with me tonight. Is that all right?" And we went from there. Uh, did a couple of shows with Mike. Did a number of shows with yourself, a number of shows with Leanne, a number of shows with Donny Lamo, uh, Donny Ramon, um, and um, and then from there uh, we us two then started working for TNT Ignition, and uh, I then um, got asked to jump onto the extreme commentary table too, and then uh, under yeah under a year later. Uh, I think there was, I'd done three or four extreme shows and then I was lead commentator from that point onwards. Uh, it, and it's just been an absolute roller coaster. It's been ridiculous. Um, well, that's clearly what it is. I mean, so you started 2014, but we're talking the past sort of two years, three years. It's really, yeah. snow- it's really snowballed. I mean, it, it really has. Um, to going from calling. Two of my best mates, um, Disco Burt Fabulous and uh, Dave the Rave Desire. My first ever night, I called those guys winning the uh, tag titles at Britannia for the first ever time. That was my yeah. first night. And then um, a year on from that, I was in TNT. I was in Ignition um, calling you know, the, the future. And then in the December, uh, November of that year, I was on Extreme calling a match between Jordan Devlin and Anna Helico. Um, who are now, well, the, the former Cruiserweight champion uh, and Angelico, who's on AEW. So it's, it, yeah, it, it has been insane. And then getting to call um, Pac and Pentagon Jr. last year, the first time they had ever met. That was mad. Getting to call El Fantasma and Ray Phoenix. That was insane. So the, I'm incredibly, incredibly um, lucky, fortunate, thankful that i've gotten to where i am at, at this age like it was a gimmick at one point i was the youngest commentator in british wrestling <laughs> isn't that cute um so that and that got dropped very quickly um because it, it, it's it's a cute moniker and really i use that as a a way to feel comfortable but on tnt extreme because I, was, I felt a little out of my league i was a little out of my depth so i needed something to to you know help me get over that really and that character and, need, and it was manifested like, in that so it's like a stabilizer on a bike when you're learning to ride yeah, it's just yeah. that thing to prop you up and to go oh yeah this is me this is me and then once you kind of get the ball going you can kind of kick those off and be like okay cool this is me now yeah that was it and and i think the um the more i transitioned into being the play-by-play guy as well it was just you, you don't you know jim ross isn't Jim Ross is Jim Ross. Do you know what I mean? He, he, he yeah. doesn't have 
he, that's not a gimmick. He's just calling matches. Same with Mauro Ronaldo. You know, obviously Jerry the King Lawler is like the king is a gimmick, but even you, I mean, you could say the same for Jerry Lawler. He's not putting anything on. He's just being himself on commentary. Same for Bobby Heenan. He's the best of all of the best of all time. Um, so, hey, you, you ain't getting the arguments out of me for that one. Hmm. He's one of them. He's one of them guys that you just go. He was untouchable. Yeah, and he, he gets better with age because like, if you watch it now, even though it's 20, 30 years ago, what the stuff that he was doing, mm-hmm. it still holds up to this day. He's so but... quick, and you're you're watching it; it'll catch you off guard how quick he is. And it, like, even you could watch something of his like four or ta- four, yeah, four or five times, and th- he'll still have these quick witticisms, and you'll still laugh because it's so quick, because it's so spontaneous. It's like, how are you doing this? So he's he like Bobby the he- Bobby Heenan uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan. <laughs> like, said that so many times. I was like Bobby the and then went Bobby no Heenan no say 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 what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I ended up in and um, and here we are. So um, but yeah, Bobby Heenan uh, undoubtedly the best. I'm not gonna lie to you when you were saying Bobby's name. I thought you were doing Morse code because you kept saying Bob Bob Bobby. <laughs> Well, where is he, you almost turned into Neil from the, the second in between us movie where he almost falls asleep at the wheel and just sort of goes what 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 wow this podcast has gone very weird very very quickly yeah it has but it's okay there's one thing that you mentioned it's I think I mean we're both in a Facebook group that Mr Magic Mark has set up he has for sensible Mark as he's been christened on my podcast because yeah, he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't like going by that anymore. <laughs> so we we christened him Sensible Mark on on my podcast. I mean, it, I, it's, it's one the one of the world's nicest guys. Can't fault him. Can't cannot fault him. I mean, uh, I was used to doing uh, commentary with you. Then I did commentary with Mark for one, and I can I don't get nervous when doing commentary with you because I kind of know our roles. You're the Jim Ross. I'm the Paul Heyman. I'm there to just needle you. Mm-hmm. I know there's what it is. Where's Mark? Yeah. He's just that damn good, and I thought, oh bloody hell! But he just doesn't put himself over as being that good. He he makes you better. And I thought, god damn, that's that's a skill. Yeah. To pick up what I'm crap at and go, so I feel I got this. Don't worry, just wait. And fantastic guy, fantastic guy. But um, uh, yeah, so so I'm going, going off on the right waffle. But uh, a couple of people I've been speaking to on the podcast. And things like this, we've been discussing different ways of broadcasting. So obviously the person for your audience might not necessarily know me as uh, an, an announcer, a commentator. I'm just, I'm, I don't want to say the boss. I hate that. I'm not putting myself <laughs> over on the shows. But I, <laughs> I, know for once I've got no ego, but I don't put myself over on my shows. I kind of sit mm. there with a beer and uh, edit the show as we go and says what it is. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to performing... I've always got this uh, way if I don't like to know too much. I don't want to be told. I want to kind of rely on my instincts. I want to do improv. Yeah. Um, and you kind of like said it there that you got chucked in at the deep end. I mean, if you had to push one way or the other, do you prefer to to, to know a lot? Because I've never seen you with cue cards when you're announcing. No, I, I always took it as a point of pride that I didn't do cue cards. I did it for, obviously I did it for my first ever show because I had no idea who anybody was. But after yeah. that, I I kind of I wrote my notes and um and left them kind of backstage and was going over them because in a way you you're a um you're a performer at the end of the day and you are an actor 
and you need to learn your lines. That's the way I see it. Um, it's, yeah, that's I, that's I just me. That. That, that's that's just me uh, as as to what it is. So uh, I think that um, it, I think it, it maybe stems from uh, I was a, a frontman in my former life, and when I was very very young, um, I was a frontman of a band from about the age of thirteen till I was about seventeen, and did a ton of gigs, and that really helped. Um, just being able to stand in front of people as myself. Yeah. Being able to do that. I've, I've got a theatre background as well. My entire degree was theatre and performance. So that also helps a little bit. But I think in terms of ringing out sin, you you have your notes backstage and you memorise them before you come out and you do anything else on the fly. As you said, you improvise. Um, with commentary, there's some things you need to know to, to you know, to, to complete the match, you'll need to know yeah. specific um, move names or even if there's signature moves. That, so one thing I, I love at shows is going up to people, have you got your, what's your, what's your moves? Have you got things to look out for? And it's like, oh God, I haven't really, I haven't really got any names for my moves. It's like, that, that's completely fine. That doesn't matter. Just tell me what your signature moves are so that I can make them important to you. Do you know what I mean? That's the, <laughs> that's the name of the game is that you've got to, um, if, if, Say if if one person does a spear in the general move set, that's fine. If one person is finishing the match with a spear, they are two completely different parallels. Yeah, and you have to be able to and to to know that going into a match because if someone hits a spear and it's always oh, it was spear one two three oh that was oh he's he's won that's the finish okay and to to otherwise being he's going with the spear oh, what do you know what I mean there is a different level that goes into it that you really do need to pay attention to and, and asking people beforehand uh, about that kind of stuff. And there's other little, little bits and pieces of like what they, you know, if they've won anything of note recently or if the, you know, and storyline points are a massive thing you need to know about um, nine times out of 10. I've always seen, um, the commentary team are always very close to the promoter because they need to know the storylines. Yeah. And, um, because that, that's the whole, you're, you're there to be a storyteller or not even a storyteller. You're not even a narrator. You're, I, it's hard to put it into a, into a show, into any other form of, of term in, in terms of, um, theater, but you're, you, cause you're not telling the story. The wrestlers are telling the story. You're there to, exp to, I don't know, develop it in a minor way. Yeah, like, maybe I think, I think my, my guys and to recap. Yeah, I think you you should be able to recap a year's worth of storyline in two sentences. That's that to me is is the mark of somebody who knows how to craft words well on the fly uh, or has previously put them in two sentences. That's fine. How, you know, having notes on commentary is completely fine because no one sees you. You you know, you're out the way. Um and and you know shouldn't really be seen. You know, okay, well, say shouldn't really be seen. You know, the, there's um, as long as you're in a great view to see the ring, that's all that matters, in my opinion. Um, uh, and you're not being put front and center in a way. But um, but yeah, you, you're there to to develop and and to um, add little pointers to a story or to bring to attention things that people may just have missed and little things here and there that can help develop it a little bit further. And um, 
Uh, yeah, it, it's um, it, it's it's difficult, but it, it's fun. See, this is why you're still doing commentary because you you can you've got all this like prep work for it and all this sort of thing. I've not got the discipline for this. I'll open huh. it. I'm not a good commentator. I can wind people up very easily. Um, a couple of good lines. Don't shoot yourself down like that. <laughs> but no, but in terms of being like an actual commentator, it's the one thing that makes me sweat more than anything. And I'm a bit of a sweaty kind of guy anyway, because I've got <laughs> nervous energy and it is what it is. <laughs> just being on commentary is difficult. Commentators don't get enough credit. Same with referees. You know what I mean? The, the, the jobs are kind of like being the drummers and bands. Yeah. You know, they, you know they're important, but they don't get the credit. I'd, that I'd actually go one further. It's actually, it's more like being the bass player. Drummers, <laughs> drummers can be flashing. Drummers can be flashing. Um, bass players tend not to be able to, to be flashy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I thought you might hit the nail on the head on that one. So I, th- I think that um, the, the lead singer and the, and the lead guitarist of the wrestlers, I think the, I, I don't, I don't even know who would, if the, if you can even compare a, a drummer in, in terms of, uh, in pro wrestling sense because there's nobody who the, there isn't really anyone who can be important but flashy but out the way there is there is no crossover like that maybe, maybe the referee in fairness because yeah. they're, they're the yeah. ones keeping everything together and and occasionally they are the ones um uh who can you know occasionally the referee will be brought into the the the, the action as well and then the backstage interviewers the ring announcers and the the commentators uh, are all the uh are all bass players uh <laughs> I love that analogy. <laughs> see, see, this is what I like doing with because um, I've I've been interviewing a few wrestlers and yeah, a couple of sort of youngish wrestlers. They won't have this. How do I put? I don't want to put it. This kind of viewpoint because they they get there, they put their match on, and then mm. they sit in the back, they eat their food, they have the, they collect the wage, and then they tend to go. They don't yeah. get involved in every match. Whereas commentators, announcers, you've got to know every single match. You've got to know what you know, to sell the raffle, to sell the food, to sell the next show, to sell um, if a heel's just done something quite dastardly, if a heroic babyface, you, you want to build him up like a god. You've yeah. got to know a million more things than just a wrestler. So I, I knew that when I was going to get, get you on this podcast for, he's not going to be quiet. He's not going to go, yep, I like this very much. Mm-hmm. I knew you're going you're gonna to have a lot to say. Yeah, that is kind of my, I think I think you ask most people, you'd say, that, that's pretty much me in a nutshell, is I, I think I come across as quite quiet at first, and then you you get me going, and it's like, Christ, you, you pulled the cord on this guy. <laughs> you're like one of those woody dolls, once you pull that string yeah. on you're like, yeah, literally. <laughs> so you are so you're six years deep into this business. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot to some people. That's a drop in the uh, the ocean to to other people. Mm-hmm. Obviously, pandemic aside, because obviously yeah. that's kind of thrown us all for a loop, and we're, we're not going to talk about it. We're going to leave it out. I'm pretty certain we're all sick to death for talking about mm-hmm. it anyway. Um, what's next for Kevin Moran? Because you've done commentary, you've done announcing a lot. What's your is there a next step? You're like, you know what? I'm happy with this. I love doing this. I'm cool. Or um, do you have something in mind to say, I would love to try X, Y, or Z? Uh, no, I think for me, it's commentary um, all the way now. Um, I, I made that decision. Well, I, I knew I wanted to do commentary over ring announcing. Uh, 2018, 
calling a match between, I think, actually, we may have called this together, Trent Seven, Drew Parker, and Son Aderson. Um Oh, did yeah. Uh, yeah, did we call yeah, that? PWP North Wales. Yeah, that was it. So, yeah, it was during, it was after that match. I was like, God, that was cool. And I was like, yeah, I want to do that. This is where I feel more comfortable rather than ring announcing. I'd done ring announcing for a while. I think that was the night that Kim had fully returned to ring announcing as well. So... <sighs> From uh, her unfortunate, uh, <laughs> from from falling pregnant, from from her uh, happening. So, oh, if so she funny. listens to this back, oh my god, I'm so are, sorry. You're oh, in you, trouble. Sorry. But in all uh, fairness, while Kim was pregnant, one of my wrestlers during uh, press interviews, uh, Helen the Well, because we're doing it in a place called Bradwell, so we kind of it fitted. Yeah. Someone chucked a Satsuma at her head, and it just hit a smack bang in the face. And uh, yeah. Um, so if we if we can if we can hit pregnant women with fruit, why can't you slag her off? <laughs> I'm not slagging her off. Oh god, the come across this so bad. No, I'm not slagging her off at all. I just I don't, <laughs> out of the two of us, oh, how have you come across you, like the heel? My buttons. This is what it is. How have you come across like the heel? This is a very different turn of events. Oh, is, uh, when it was Liverpool. Back to being freaking youngest commentator again here. Um, no. It's, <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, commentary is all the way for me. Doing this full time is, of course, it's everyone's dream. So I think that's the that's where I want to go with it. But yeah, I, I'm more than happy helping TNT to grow. Um, and I love watching my friends grow. Uh, I think I said in another interview recently that getting back into the ring is is an absolute no-go for me. I've got um, underlying heart conditions. Oh, so yeah, uh, so that's that's me done with wrestling. Well, I mean, I've got a, a professional record of two and two, so that'll do me. Um, and that's a better record than me, put it that way. So. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice even record um, and stories to tell. And I think I've done, uh, yeah, I, I, I've done every job that there is to do in in pro wrestling. I, I've done, um, I've done photography. I've done video. I've done uh, ticket collecting on the door. I've done ring crew. I've done refereeing for one show, which is terrible. Um, I've ring announced and I've commentated, and commentary is is absolutely where my heart lies. So, well, it's it, it's so nice to hear someone say that because, um, like being being a promoter, I'll get emails. It'll be kind of every sort of couple of days. I'll get like a big batch of emails, and there'll be people asking for for wrestling gigs, which obviously at this point in time is a bit silly, but it is what it is. <laughs> And nearly in every single email that we get, they sit on the fence with one line and it really makes my toes curl because it's, oh, I'm uh, comfortable playing a uh, baby face or a heel. It's like, I get it, but mm. pick a side. Tell me what do you prefer? Which do you think is your strongest suit? Mm-hmm. Or, or, I, even if, or even if, you know, you, you want to try something different, even if it's one of them that's like, I feel I'm stronger as a heel, but... I haven't done babyface in many places and feel I could, do you know, something along those lines. Yeah, or, or even do do a bit of research. You know what, I've watched some, I mean, we put a lot of person few stuff um, online for free. Mm-hmm. Or it's all, on, it's all on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash person few, cheap plug. So there's no reason for people to not have any idea about our product if they're applying to be on our product. Yeah. So if they say, look, I've watched a couple of shows back, they're from last year, so they're very recent. I know that um, it's quite a, a fun crowd. It's quite. It's not very serious. I mean, that's what Press and Fuse is about. We like fun. We don't take stuff overly serious because that's what the crowd wants. Mm-hmm. Um, I reckon I could fit into this role. Pitch me ideas. 
Don't just be so bland and so open. I'll literally do anything. You want me to be a face, a heel, or this or that, the other. It's like, well, I get it, because that's what people do when they, when they write a, a regular CV for a regular job. You know, I can yeah. work well as part of a team as well as good on my own. Mm-hmm. Oh, get in the fucking sea. Like, <laughs> oh, pick a side. Be be strong about something. Yeah. Then even if uh, that was one good thing that uh, Henry Grodd, before he even got on our shows, I wanted to team him up with Noah. Noah was a baby face for us and a heel everywhere else. Our crowd, for whatever reason, just loved baby face Noah. So I wanted, what was the the, the team? Wonder. Wonderland. There it is. And so before Grodd came in, I explained that uh, Noah's a face and would he want to come in as a face? And he was the, one of the only people that said, you know what? I'm not comfortable with that. Maybe down the line I might be up for that, but for the time being... I'm stronger yeah. as a heel. So mm-hmm. if there's some, if there's nothing um, as a heel you need, I won't fit in that role. But if there is something, drop me a line. And I thought that's brilliant. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that, that level respect of respect in the world for that. Because I was like, okay, now he's on my radar, so he's going to be a stronger heel. Mm-hmm. And I think we ended up picking him up pretty soon after, and he stick he stuck with us up until uh, he finished up with us last year. So we had a good three, four or so years run with us, just mm-hmm. for being honest and for picking a side, hats off to him. And if anyone else uh, listening out there, if you've not worked for me before, pick a side. Don't be so open and bland. Say, tell me what you're good at. Tell me what you would like to try. And because yeah. you said that that's your strong suit when you're on commentary, I, I respect that so much more rather than saying, oh, I'll give it a go. I'm up for doing anything, which is nice to give stuff a try. You don't know mm-hmm. till you try. But knowing what you're good at and knowing what you're not good at, that takes a bit of, you've got to eat a bit of humble pie. I'm not good at actually wrestling. The last time I was at a ring, I dressed as Where's Wally on my show. And then mm-hmm. the very next time after that, I think I was wrestling drill for BWP, which I won his BWP Welsh Championship. Yeah, to call that a match is being generous as well. <laughs> It was a high caliber arsing around. There was spanking. <laughs> That's the best way. There was riding me around like a train while spanking. There was hitting him with a tin tray. Yeah. I swear there was a there was a nipple cripple at some at some Pretty point. Pretty sure you had a pork pie as well. Uh, it, it's all in Walsh there. But you mean stuck in a paradise lock? It's fantastic. Yeah, like I'm not a wrestler. I'm a gob. That's what I am. Trying to <laughs> shut me up. That's that's my thing. So I, if someone wants to me wants me to wrestle. I'll be honest and say, look, I'm not a body person, so I cover that up by dressing as Where's Wally, or mm-hmm. I'll dress as something else that's stupid to hide the fact I'm not. A, I mean, I'm 36 almost. Like I'm getting a bit of a puppy daddy bod. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, so I'm just honest with people. I can announce. I can do a bit of commentary, and, I'm, and I've done managing since day one, so 13 years. Other yeah. than that, it's very watered down, very crap. So it's up mm-hmm. to you if you want to take that take that risk so actually i've got to give you a lot of credits you know because you're, you're quite short into your career so far you know, five six years and you say this is my strong suit absolutely hats off to you thank you it's yeah it, it's one of them that i've always i've always felt given you, by the way. sorry go on but that might be the first compliment i've ever given you probably uh, yeah it, it's one of them that um i, I think that I mean, well, I've done it for commentary for, for two years and it's like I've gone and people have gone turned around to us since day one and gone, well, you were quite good at that. I was like, oh, that's a nice compliment. 
and then you start receiving it a bit more and more. And I was like, oh, maybe I actually am good at this. And then you just start believing in people in, and people believing in you to do a, a decent job and putting that nice sort of pressure on your shoulders to go out there and, and do what you do. Yeah. Um, and then you take pride. I was like, okay, well, I've done I've done that well. Let's see if we can do it further. So my, you know, my, my goal for in, in that regard really is when there's, cause a, a lot of stuff nowadays is very fast paced and, you know, and there's a lot of moves happening in a number of seconds. Thank you, Mr. Will Ospreay for that. But, <laughs> um, but we, which is fine. And I absolutely love it. I absolutely love that. You know, love watching guys pull that off. It is fantastic to, to see, and so my goal is to be able to keep up with them using my mouth and being able to oh, God. consistently go at that pace. You know, they, they're going at you that pace. Re, you need to rephrase that one, dude. So you're going to keep up. <laughs> if the lads are, are going at a, a quick pace in the ring. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Again, rephrase that one. <laughs> if, oh, if dear the, God. If the wrestlers are performing moves at a very high rate, <laughs> is that bad? <laughs> Well, they are. They, they, they don't do that at Progressive for you. I mean, Keith if might go in, they've got, they got the best up. words. Keith might will just if say, if, if if slower and get slower." If they're doing, if they're going very quickly. <laughs> Brilliant! I am live. Brilliant. Um, just, just me mum telling me she's won a ten pound voucher for a, a local restaurant. So you know, to yay us, we, you know, <laughs> redeem that in December, shall we? Uh, but as I was saying, so yeah, it, it it's kind of my goal to to be able to keep up with the the action that's going on in the ring and um, constantly evolve that and keep track of other people's histories in, in other you know like just evolve as a commentator and yeah. uh, other people you know and, and other, whereas other people evolve in the ring and will do all they can with their character and their gimmick to to stay relevant and stay fresh. I've you know, you, you can't really, you, you can't stay relevant or stay fresh as a, as a commentator. You can just stay on top of your game, and I'm still climbing to the top of my game. So that's where I want to keep going to. I mean, like again, hats off to you. That. I've, got, I've got to give you like a lot of credit. I'm not going to give you too much because you know <laughs> that's, that's not how we roll. But yeah, I've got to give you a, a lot of credit. I mean, um, so I mean, how old are you now? If you don't mind me asking, I am 23. Will be 24 in June. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, it's I'd like, even even I, I mean I feel old now. I've been in this, been I I, I started uh, Infinite Promotions training in April two thousand fourteen. So um, uh, in so I well yeah so it'd be coming up now actually. Um, the first six years in um, over six years in the business. So seven years now. Yeah. yeah, I can't do math properly. Yes, seven. Yeah. Can we count 2020? Because at this rate, we're, we're, none of us are going to get anything In done. wrestling, it's not like, a, you know, I know no one's doing anything, but I'm still I'm still there. <laughs> I mean, I think, obviously, we're not going to talk about the, the stuff that's going on. No. But, because um, I'm, I'm seeing it, friends losing uh, parents and also some younger yeah. friends dying and all this sort of stuff. And it is absolutely horrendous kind of what's going on. Mm. But I love seeing just how much effort especially the wrestling business, because obviously I don't know what other businesses and stuff are putting into it because I can't ever escape pro wrestling. My phone is never off. Yeah. Um, I'm never logged out to social media channels. Wrestling is everything that I do. So I love seeing just how much 
wrestling is not fighting back, but we appreciate entertainment. And we're nearly all of us, we're setting up podcasts, we're setting up the Don't Rush challenges, we're setting up... Um, I was going to say OnlyFans then. Oh, God. <laughs> Some people Lamar, are. Hey, it is what it is. If, 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 I was, if, if, I was a pretty, if I was a pretty lady with a, with a nice bum, I'd probably do that as well. I mean, so, yes, uh, if, I was, if I was good looking enough, I, I would 100% be doing it. But I'm not. I mean, so. you've, got, you've got the good rack. I mean, it is unfortunate you've got the Liverpool badge tattooed on your rack. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd maybe like 1% of the population that might be a thing for, but... <laughs> Even, uh, probably less than that, to be honest. That's quite a large, large percentage of the of the population. But um, anyway, the, the less said about that, the the, the better. Yeah. But it's nice because I mean, like we've got companies putting out um, you know, free shows. I know we're doing it. I'm yeah. not trying to put ourselves over, but I know we're blank canvas wrestling. Uh, they yeah, started cool. doing it. The Manchester Press and Academy. We have a lot to do with that. And yeah. uh, head trainer Coop's putting out matches. Yeah. Um, everyone's just doing whatever they can, and even if they think. Would putting out a match, does that really add anything? That's not being on the front line, but it's just keeping people grounded. It's keeping people happy and entertained, keeping them indoors where it's nice and safe. Yeah. And it can't be denied that even if you just literally stick a free match online, that's playing, even if it's just a small part, that's playing a part in the great grand scheme of things. Yeah, 100%. We, we put out um, the latest TNT Ignition show for free um and that that, that was uh, you know so much fun to call but even yeah but it is phenomenal to see how much people are pulling together to go you know look you've got to stay indoors so let's not be boring whilst we're sat indoors let's us still be productive let's give those who want to still engage in pro wrestling as they have done for the last however many years or months you've been coming to a show, let's still we, we still want to give you something to 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 keep you entertained because you can't come directly to us anymore. So we're going to come to you. Exactly. I mean, unless unless be honest, right? So th- is this not the perfect day and age to be stuck indoors? We've got everything at our yeah, fingertips. Yeah, days. We can, we can you order food in the It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I, I get it. It's now you spend more time on Netflix looking for something to watch than watching stuff. So I get it, we're kind of a bit spoiled, but it's perfect. I can order food from my phone. Yeah. Um, I, I can just cast a, a, a movie to my TV. I ain't got to move all day. Mm-hmm. And this is like the, the, the perfect day and age for this to happen. Obviously, it's, it's, it's terrible what's going on. And I knew we weren't going to talk about it, but we ended up talking about it. But <laughs> it is what it is. Um, yeah, it, it, it's... It, it we are incredibly fortunate the advances in technology that have allowed us to, to still engage in everything that we love, regardless of what's going on. Uh, and at the same time, spread the love and positivity and kindness that needs to be spread in times like this as well. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, obviously you've, you've caught you, you've commentated on a lot of matches. You've announced a lot of matches. I've yes. seen you announcing, uh, David Starr's entrance. Yeah, like I did. Big, I did. I've done that once. I've done that once. I did it at Outrage for TNT. It was the one TNT show I ring. Uh, I did ring announcing for. Um, and yeah, I did. I did David Star. I I cocked it up as as most people do. Um, I think I got two of his nicknames the wrong way round and left one of them out. 
Um, it's a long. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it now. It's long. Yeah. Be fair. He's got about forty. Fourteen like, in total now. I think there is. There might be maybe fifteen or something. So it's a lot. Because I mean, I, I, I'll um, little insight into how I do announcing. So one, not the last Unstoppable Wrestling, which a big shout out to Phil Davies and the uh, Unstoppable Wrestling people. Really, really good shows. Um, I was announcing for them, and I was traveling up there with Dave Davecchio. Now, Dave, he's, he works to his own kind of internal clock. He's just that. I don't want to. I'm not going to call him slow. I don't mean to say he's slow. That's not how it's meant to be. He just does things at his own pace. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, when it comes to traveling to other shows, that also fits in. So he's meant to be at my house for four o'clock. He shows up at half five. Uh, and he's just like, oh, sorry, mate, just lost track of time. Okay, jump in. Bloody hell. So we have to drive from Stoke to Burnley through traffic and all this sort of thing. Yeah. And we arrived at 10 past seven. Now, the show had let in at half six and was meant to start at seven so oh, wow. yeah so we're driving the promoter's ringing me i'm like who's in the back who's in the back he says oh well there's drill i was like perfect give drill your phone two seconds uh so he puts drill on i said dude um i need you to go out there and vox pop kind of like what me and you used to do at tnt ignition where we'd go around and speak to the audience yeah uh, kind of like davina mccall which was doing street mates running around talking to people playing them off against each other doing little jokes pranks mm-hmm. whatever said, go do that stall. We're about seven minutes away. Um, I'll just need to just run in, get my tux on, and then I'm good to go. I'll just do it. Now, if I overthink, that's when I ruin stuff. So I literally ran into the venue, stuck my suit on, stuck my bow tie on, draw my little – I didn't even put my little teardrop. Drew, I didn't even get a chance to draw that on. I said, look, what, what's the card? What's the card? And they showed me, and I didn't get a chance to kind of write any cards because I'll write a card, look at it, and then I'll memorize it. But I said, all right, just do it's a single, then it's a submission, then it's a tag. All right, cool. I'll do the second after in the interval. Play my music straight out. Yeah. And I didn't know any of the people that were going to come out. I oh, was wow. thrown to the wolves. I'm like, okay, it's a single, it's a submission, it's a tag. All right, cool. Let, let's let's do this. So go out, chuck a couple of sweets out to the audience. I vox pop a little bit with them. Apologize for being late. Even though it's Dave Dovecchio's fault. Yes, Dave, it was definitely your fault. And I just did it on the fly. And for me, I feel so comfortable just going, okay, following contest is a singles match set for one fall. One fall. And then whoever's going to come out, hopefully I know them. So I I know what to say. And I don't need to know people's spiel. So Wing Commander Nash, one of the nicest, most funniest guys in the entire world. Yeah. I was like, oh, he hails from Hangar 69. Because <laughs> Hangar 69 is a funny thing. And he, he, he's trying to not like laugh. So he's kind of corpsing on his entrance. Brilliant. Um, and then Dan Evans. I can be both for me and you. Both love Dan Evans. Yeah. He's, he's an mm-hmm. unsung hero with this business. I mean, he's the wrestler's wrestler. Yeah. I would not be involved in this industry in any way, shape or form if it wasn't for Dan. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got the, the driest wit known to man, and he doesn't yeah. get the credit he deserves. <laughs> and uh, I was just, again, I just it, he's on the cards. I don't need to know any of his stuff. I know he's from Liverpool, and I know he's a heel, and I know he's Dan Evans. That's all I need to know. So I thought, well, he's going to pick up any vibes I chuck out, and he'll do the same to me. So as soon as he's in the ring, people have started booing him. And I said, I'd give him a little nod, so he sticks his head next to my head. 
we pretend we talk. I kind of put my hands up to say, okay, no problem. I'll tell him that because you told me. He said nothing to me. Yeah. I've just you, got you, an you, idea. Yeah. Ladies and gents, Dan Evans has stated that if you don't shut your mouths right now, once he's won this match, he's going to slap each and every one of your ugly faces. Yeah. But Dan hadn't, Dan hadn't said any of that. No. That was just me just chucking a porch up to the wolves. And he yeah. kind of gave me a little wink to say, yeah, no, that's not fair. People yes. booed him out of the building. Brilliant. And I, I love that. It's yeah. no, no planning. Obviously, if someone came out that I didn't know, It'd be a very different story. Oh, it's oh, it's that, it's that hey, it's that guy. Oh, that bloody hell! Yeah. So luckily, I've been quite lucky on that kind of thing. But yeah. I love it. I, that for me, when you said you yeah, commentary's yeah. your thing, announcing. I don't like managing anymore. I've done it for thirteen years. Wrestling, not for us. Promoting, it's it is what it is. But announcing is amazing because I'm yeah, I'm, a, I'm a baby face. But I'm not really a baby face. Yep. And yeah, it's a weird, the, weird, weird position struggle, to be. It is weird. But there's a struggle with doing it to a degree where the fans are comfortable with you, but you're no more important than the wrestler. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. people are looking forward to seeing you more than seeing any wrestler on that card, then you're there's something wrong with that. Dynamic, which I'm sure wasn't the case, um, but that 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 to me is 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 the very fine line to walk as a ring announcer, where you've got to you know people should feel reassured and happy that you're that you're there because oh well, oh well, that, that this person's nice, this person's nice, and they're going to tell me who's coming out next. That's cool. Um, but other than that, there's you know, but when uh, and and having a, a bit of a, a jibber jabber with the crowd and getting them up for matches and this that and the other is is one thing but primarily you you know it's the same thing it is with commentary and for backstage interviewing you are there to make the wrestlers look a million bucks uh, yeah couldn't, couldn't couldn't have said that better could not have said that better so obviously you, you did a lot of you know, a lot of broadcasting I don't know. You've got your own podcast which obviously you, you can uh, you can plug away but you you talk about on your podcast um like dream is it, is it dream card yeah dream so, so basically card? uh I, I woke up one morning and thought you know what i i want to do i want to find out what backstage personnel in british professional wrestling if they were going to book a dream wrestling card who would be on it and then they just went forward and we've got rules and um so it's something along the lines of six to eight matches uh you get two tag matches either a regular or a six man uh, one multi-man match. Um, anyone from the past or present of British professional wrestling and two imports, and that's it. And outside of that, anything goes. And we've had some wonderful matches. We've had some wacky matches suggested so far, um, and I'm really excited to do a few more of them. Um, uh, it's been it, it's been a lot of fun. It's just a nice, you know, and it's it's one of them as well that somebody will suggest a match that you think either between two people who could still happen between. It's like has that never happened? Oh my god, that's a great match! Or one of them that's between a legend and somebody from nowadays who's in their prime, and you put the two of them together in what in both their primes, and you think, oh wow, that would be amazing to watch. And it's it's that kind of it's kind of like a mini pop to yourself, thinking about yeah. how good a yeah. match would be, and that's what I think is the the magic of the whole of the whole show because um, you'll just be listening, and then 
you, you get invested into a, a match or a show that just is a complete not a fantasy, but it, it, it's great because it's just fun. So, so I'm, I'm going to kind of hold your um, kind of hands to the flame at the minute. So you've obviously got your own, you put that towards Magic Mark, you're hearing all these other people put theirs to you as well. Yeah. If I had to say to you, one match, so you come with for Pro Wrestling for you as an agent, a co-booker, call it whatever you want to call it. I say to you, uh, Kieran, I want you to boot me one match. What is your one? I'd, 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 I'd give one. you my main event the, from, from the one that I had because I don't see how that, that wouldn't draw and in front of any audience, it would be amazing because they, they these two lads would be able to put it in front of uh, a camp show crowd to the most hardcore um, independent fans. And the, this match is Rampage Brown versus Pete Dunne. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you, you that one. I'm slightly it, worried you're going to pick something um, cage. A bit hardcore. Death, death no, we, I did have a death match on the card, but on my on my dream card. But no, like I, I would. Yeah, I, I think because that that match draws for any company in any promotion anywhere in the world. I totally, totally agree with you. I'd, I'd love to talk about that one, but since we've mentioned death matches, yes, I'm going to have to ask you because we differ quite a bit on this. I now I'm not going to shit on death matches, right? <laughs> whatever people, whatever style of wrestling people are into, that's what they're into. As long as they're feeding money and promoting wrestling as a whole, we're good. But I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I've, on occasion, I have liked. Little bits and pieces. So Jimmy Havoc, where he'll do the paper cut between the fingers, mm-hmm. I think is brilliant. Yep. Really, really well done. Because everyone knows what that feels like. Yeah. From, a, from a kid to a teenager to an adult to an old person, we've all experienced it. So relating to the audience, I get it. When you start sticking needles through the sides of people's mouths, like syringes, what is going on? I think there's, I mean, I, I love deathmatch wrestling. I, I've got, I've always been a big fan of hardcore stuff. I, like my my gateway into all the pro wrestling was old ECW, um, more or less. That was the first thing that I latched onto, and the the bloodiest matches in ECW and the the most hardcore matches in ECW, and I, I just loved it. There was just something that is just watching two absolute madmen. Um, Butter the living daylights out of each other using every instrument of death under the sun is magical to watch because the I don't know there's just something crazy about it that's um, and that is the the worst thing I could say is there's something crazy about it uh, that there is an untapped history of deathmatch wrestling that even I haven't gone into the 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 likes of. Um, Clint Majera and Drew Parker would be able to score me all day long on the likes of that, but that's why those two are at the top of their game in their respected field because they've done all this research into it. Um, much in the same way, you know, the the likes of uh, Zach Gibson is the most technically gifted British professional wrestler going. I'm so glad you mentioned Zach Gibson because do you happen to know wh- where he got his Liverpool's number one gimmick from? Go on. From me. And oh, I'm not blowing no smoke up my own bomb. I, I didn't purposefully pitch him the idea. He came to do Pro Wrestling Fuse's um, first ever show called uh, Extreme Mashup. 
Mm-hmm. He was at the Keel Students Union and it was March 2011. And he was doing it at the time, you'd be hard pushed not to kind of say he was a CM Punk ripoff. Hmm. You know, the like the long shorts like punk, you'd have like the wrist tape, he had quite longish hair, obviously at that yeah. point, I know Mother Nature's not been kind to him hair wise, it's quite mm-hmm. one of it. And it was against Al Lagero. So we had him on our show, and it was an over 18 show. We only ever did two over 18 shows that moved to family shows. Yeah. And he come out at the Kiel Student Union. Obviously, a lot of people quite drunk in Kiel's in the student yeah. unions. And as soon as Kim announced that he's from Liverpool, mm. he. Yeah. And I know you're a Scouser, but he says what it is. But Stokey's. It, it happens everywhere. It yeah, happens. Stokey's don't tend to like Scousers because people say we sound like plastic Scousers. Brilliant. When we get hyped up, we do sound a bit scouse. Says what it is. Yeah. Um, so, and he wasn't aware of this. He's obviously aware that Manchester and Liverpool yeah, have got like their own thing. Yeah. The, the red, the red and the blue sides of Liverpool have got their thing. But mm-hmm. he had no idea about Stoke. We just met and we got on. It says what it is. And you could literally see in the video, he's like, "Oh shit, they really don't like scouses." So he starts leaning into it from this show onwards, yeah. and. The crowd are going absolutely nuts at him. And from that day, he's like, okay, I, I need to know about... I'm sorry, Zach, I'm going to have to say this, dude. You don't know Liverpool football. You do now. You didn't until 2011 when you came to Stoke. Mm-hmm. I think he'll, he'll admit it, hopefully. He's, I'm, I'm not shitting on his chips. It is what it is. And he's like, I, I, need, I need to be more Scouse. I need to be the epitome of Scouse. So he amps up the accent. He amps yeah. up... He named these moves after Liverpool stuff. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he's done very bloody well with it. Uh, no yeah, you could that. say that. But that's... But yeah, the, it's, yeah. You know. and, and so the, the same way that, that Zach is at the top of his game, technically, that he's he's because he's studied people for years, the, the same way that Clinton Drew and, and Jimmy and Mikey Whiplash and Ricky Shane Page, you know, the, these lads, the, the way to do it. But for me, it, there's just a... It's a different way to tell a story. It, it's a, like the the DOA that we had this year, uh, death match tournament that we had this year in Liverpool. The, the there was something that that happened with Jimmy Lloyd, who was over from uh, America, GCW, incredible talent, mad as a hatter, uh, willing to do absolutely anything. Uh, can't wait to have him back. Um, and and he starts, but he starts hitting himself. He was in a light tube match in Furnace um, against Clint, and he starts picking up individual light tubes and starts hitting himself with him. It's like, wow, okay. But then, and, and so the you know showing off that the, these things that we're around that are surrounding us, these don't hurt me. What are you going to do? To and then he ends up like putting him through about you know. 30 of them or something like that i was like okay that's gonna hurt because that's a lot more pain combined and so you know the and so the little things like that that add up to telling a story um and then at the start of the the final between clint and ricky shane page they have this massive back and forth taking a light tube off the um that was um what are they called rubber band they were just attached to the the ring ropes through elastic bands and they're yeah. just whipping, like taking one off, smash over your head. Take another one off, smash over your head. And they, the pace they just started doing it. And it's like the amount of pain and adrenaline that, that I think that's another thing is that you like you don't have to 
you know, you don't have to have ever been hit over the head with the light tube to know it hurts. It's glass, and there's other shit inside of it that that stings. So, you you know, you know it hurts. And for these guys to be consistently being battered over the head with light tubes, to it then you know, and it went on for about five minutes of just this bang, 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 and built this amazing crescendo. Where, and then it, and then they, and then they moved on and had another you know 10, 15 minute match. Um, after that, the whole match was twenty minutes in total. So it was you know, and then that was the start of it. Was just this building and building and building and. And there's other things. I think there's there's also um, a lot of respect and admiration that goes into it that these guys are willing to not only do that to themselves, do it to other people, and be okay with that. And um, there's got to be a real well, no, in, in the way that there's got to be a real trust between them. And, yeah, and there is between all these guys, like you know, they'll. they'll um, Mark Adams would say on, on comms all the time um, that these two guys can can drop each other in in you know um, pools of drawing pins and then have a hug and have a beer afterwards. But but for that moment, but for that moment, but that's the same for any you know. It, it, but in in the same similar sense that, um, that I mean that that's what happens when you you know in a way when you've got a face in a face in the ring that okay these guys they're in a contest they're in a match to see who's the better wrestler. Who's the better deathmatch worker? And so that, you know, that comes with the territory is that, yeah, you're my mate. Yeah, we'll be going out afterwards, but I'm still going to drop you on top of two steel chairs with the ends back to back because it hurts. And that's the aim of the game is that I'm going to inflict as much damage on you in order to win. And people find that entertaining and I love commentating on it. See, I have a real sort of, I have a real issue with it because I don't mind the occasional bit of hardcore wrestling. Um, but when it becomes overkill, it's just a bit too much for me. I mean, I kind of look at, um, let's think, try, I'll take it out of wrestling compared to something else. So the very first Avengers film, so I'm guessing you've seen this. The which one, sorry? The, the very first one. Yes. So it's uh, Loki pretty much on his own. Against what is it? Six Avengers, seven Avengers, yeah, something like that. Yeah, although he like, does have a, a massive army of, of aliens behind him. But they're like the Putty Patrol and Power Rangers. They're, they're not really going to do all that much. It's like having an army of the Mean Street Posse. Yeah. And so when I watch it, I get why people like the film, and I get it. But had it been Captain America that Loki had turned rather than Hawkeye, that no one really gives a shit about. Had he had a big army and they kind of outdo the bigger number, that for me is where I get my my love from because you are overpowering the adversity, whereas the yeah, way they kind of, kind of do it. And I kind of look at deathmatch wrestling in the same vein. of If no one's selling anything, who gives a fuck? I mean, I, I was brought up. Um, quite old school wrestling training. I started in 2007, and my training was very, very old school. You couldn't get in the ring until you'd had power slams on the thin judo mats on the floor. And if you didn't sell, you didn't make noises, you didn't make facial expressions, you got the crap knocked out of you. It's very old school. Mm-hmm. And, and so you were used to kind of pulling in facial expressions like Rick Mail every few seconds, mm-hmm. just over the top, 
big movements and all this sort of thing. The second yeah. that you didn't tell, you, you knew he was coming for you and he was going to sniff you. He was going to really um, do something about horrible. And luckily, them kind of days are pretty much gone. But yeah. I don't see any selling in death deathmatch wrestling. You've just uh, said a guy not, hits the selling. Not enough. The the very best, Jimmy Havoc, Ricky Shane Page, these guys are the ones that that sell it for the. But it's the fact that they'll sell it and they'll still be able to get back up from it. That's what makes a deathmatch worker the very very best. Same with Mikey Whiplash. Mikey Whiplash is one of the best sellers I've ever seen in my life, and the the belief that that they want you to get back in. I'll agree with you that a deathmatch feels so much more when you can personally invest in it but all storylines do all matches are when you can relate to it when you are rooting good against the evil you know as pro wrestling is by its very nature um but then there is that added layer on top of of deathmatch wrestling which i think maybe does get lost a little bit is that storytelling element but then saying that the the likes of as I've already said a number of times, Ricky Shane Page, and I'm, I'm repeating the same people because the it's the for me that's who I, you know the who I've had experience with. There are loads of other people who I should be uh, you know crediting here, the likes of Nick Cage and uh, Masada and Danny Havoc and um, Jack Jester, people. Like yeah, of oh, course, Jack Jester. Yeah, I can't believe I've not mentioned Jack Jester yet. Um, so the. Um, there is a lot of selling involved and there is, I know that because I sell for them on commentary. So, and I'll only sell as much as they're selling because otherwise what's the point? Yeah. If if, if a wrestler in the ring is not selling the seriousness of a match, I won't because why, you know, I, I know it's my job to make everything good and better to a degree. But if a wrestler isn't doing that, isn't doing the the main thing they're supposed to do that I'm not going to, I can't really cover for them in that way because I can only garner so much sympathy through, uh, be, be, you know, through a, a televised audience. But even then that fan watching at home isn't an idiot and can see the crowd and hear their reaction and know that they're not invested either. So, and, and that's why I, I feed off the crowd more than anything. And if the crowd aren't invested, I won't invest as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that with Deathmatch Wrestling, there comes that, I don't know, the, the, there's this sort of, um, like at DOA, there was this excited nervousness for what's about to happen because you know it's going to be, and to quote Mark Adams, batshit crazy. <laughs> it, it's just gonna be insane, and then and the, the, you feel the same before every um, every single um, extreme division match that I've called, or if there's a, a hardcore match for Britannia that I've called, it, it's the same every time because there is going to be a, a really insane um, spot, a mad bump to be taken, and that's gonna you know get and the, it, it, whether it be one mad bump onto some uh, thumbtacks or an insane bump through a table made out of light tubes or a glass pane. The the building blocks have got to be there to get to that level and there is something 
about the construction of a death match that I just admire the lads for doing and for also preempting that, going, yeah, so I'm going to do that first and then I'm going to do that and then I'm going to do that. You know, you know what I mean? It, there's so much admiration that goes into it with these guys to put themselves through what they put themselves through to an audience. Yes, it's niche, um, which, and even, you know, Paul Heyman has said himself, you know, it was, um, you know, they, they cornered a very, very niche market. Yeah. And, and that's why they brought in the likes of um, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio and Psychosis. Um, and so um, there, there is just something there that's exciting to watch that is um, it, uh, engaging if you're into it um, and all around absolutely so much fun. I, cause when I, I've had moments where um, I was, I was at the uh, the Doncaster Dome. It was Abyss and Ulf Herman, and they were having a survival of the sickest match. And I think Ulf Herman ended up going through a table with drawing pins on fire. And it it was not. So I'm not going to lie to you. I was stood on my seat. My eyes were as big as dinner plates, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "What the absolute shit!" And I popped. I've got no issues admitting. I was jumping up out my seats. Um, just going, that's crazy. But yeah. I think ha- having a whole tournament, maybe I'm going to take it one step back a little bit. Maybe it's not a case of me not liking deathmatch tournaments. It's I don't like one kind of wrestling dominating an entire card, perhaps. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, I think it would be, you know, the, there's been uh, stuff going around about um, pure... Uh, comedy gimmicks and and that yeah. being a tournament uh, for some companies um and and that would in a, in a way it's a similar vein because it's a type of it's a you know comedy wrestling deathmatch wrestling you know it's a subgenre yeah um so yeah i can kind of see you know but but then the and that's but that's when it becomes niche do you know what i mean that's where it becomes yeah. niche. and i think that's that's where the the, the sort of deathmatch thing kind of gets my attention in a bit of a bad way see i'm not shitting on it i just don't get it because mm-hmm. drilled into me since day one you don't hurt anyone like you you go you come out of this the same way you go in like very old school kind of training very old school kind of um thought process everyone goes home happy healthy occasionally yeah you get a bit of rope burn you get a bit of bumps and bruises whatever but if you've got to say yeah yeah, i don't have any plasters i've got a syringe sticking out the side of my face i don't know what they're getting out of that i mean it's it, it's mad. It, it's for the it's for the reactions more than anything, and the, the I assume there's I I can't say I've ever watched the match where that's happened. However, oh, Killian Jacobs did it in Herefordshire, so we're not even talking. It was oh um, right, okay. I thought that was exclusively. I've only ever seen that happen in, in Japan. Oh no, no, it was Killian Jacobs, and I can't believe his tag team partner is is called High Wave Five or something like that okay. against Dan Evans and Scott. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the match you're on about. Yeah, and at some point, Killian had syringes put through the side of his face. Fair enough. If you if you want, you want to take it, and it's going to get a reaction. Yeah. Okay. But well, I I'll take that. It, it's, and, it's it's fair enough if you're willing. And at the same time, this is another interesting side of it that's come up is that, um, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of young people say, oh, I want to do it. I want to do death matches. I want to do death matches. And it's okay. 
Are you willing to like? Are, are you? Do you want to do death matches or do you want to do hardcore matches? Do you want to? Do you want to take a couple of chair shots and uh, a table spot and you know and yeah you know, and do something a little bit crazy like that? Or are you willing to take glass? Are you willing to take light tubes? You know, there's. I, I'm not. I'm not putting a downer on anyone, but I just think that there is now that we've got the internet and people are becoming a lot more exposed to all these different genres of pro wrestling. And um, obviously the tournament of death CZW is a huge thing in the wrestling calendar that everyone sort of knows about it in one way or another, either you've seen somebody get announced for it and this and the other, and then the likes of TNT and rise in the UK are bringing that death match style to the forefront as well. Um, that, People are now going, oh, I want to try, I want to try it. But it's like, uh, and if you do, and you can throw your, and you are willing to throw yourself through all manner of stuff for other people's entertainment, more's the power to you. But I just don't want people getting into it for the wrong reasons. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's 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 a weird one because I mean, um, I know you, you've not been to uh, one one of the one of my person few shows before, but I've heard of a guy called Ritmo. He's a luchador pirate. Of sorts, it's a weird combination. It just works. Fair enough. Um, I can do genuine lucha, not just high fly, but genuine lucha. The stuff that you would see actual luchadors doing. He's kind of got that vibe about him. It makes it in a bit of pirateness. Um, huh? And he busts out a move called the Silly Salmon. Okay. Okay. Uh, are you aware what the Silly I, Salmon is? I think so. It's been like um like kind of like a penguin dive from the side. So you're set up just like the rock does his people elbow, body slams him in, in the center, sets up for it, ropes, ropes, and just like a Ralph Wiggum dive. So it's like, it's just Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're on about. Yeah, yeah. quite a simplistic simplistic thing. And we had like quite a decent house at this point. Bear in mind, we run working men's clubs. We had over two hundred people mm-hmm. in a very nice working men's club, and they were just falling over themselves. Shouting salmon at him, brilliant. Um, but then he, I, 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 I like this crazy move, yeah, it's because it, it's it catering to your audience. However, at, at Cold Day in Hell last year, um, we had probably our biggest spot we've ever had, it went viral. Were um, Jack Jester and Mikey, yeah. Jack Jester and Mikey Whiplash sat down in the middle of the TNT ring, switched on a PlayStation One, and had a game of SmackDown. In the middle of the in the middle of a goddamn match, and it was beautiful. The reaction that it got from that crowd was—it's the loudest thing I've ever heard through my headphones. It was ridiculous. The pop it got—it was just insane, and everyone was just instantly sucked into what is happening. It's brilliant, but then it falls under that kind of. But then at the same time, I've heard similar reactions for. Um, uh, at DOA this year, Ricky Shane Page putting Clint Mojera through absolute hell and Clint kicking out, and people were loving it, popping for the roof. You know what I mean? So there's the, the, there are these reactions, and it's how you draw the reaction out of certain crowds and knowing your audience and um, and this, that, and the other. But everyone's gonna love some love it or hate it one way or another. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's very polarizing. And so I, I, for me. I'm very old school. I just like an obvious face versus an obvious heel. Give us some actual stakes. Give us some actual something to really fight over and just let them do it. I, I, I think if you can take something 
really, really simple and make you different every time. I like that way of doing things. Uh, I say, like, everyone likes something different. I, I just, I've never understood deathmatch that's, wrestling. That's fair. I think, I think with the with the the tournaments we've done, the the stakes change every every round almost. So the the usually the the quarterfinals are not as insane as the first as the the semis and then the semis it's turned up a bit and then the the final is all out batshit craziness yeah and so, that, and so in that way each match is different everything's got a different stipulation it's got um you know slightly different stakes in in terms of um in you know heel or face dynamic of this that and the other um you've got we had the likes of charlie evans against ricky shane page which was someone who is a legend in deathmatch working against someone who was brand new to it and had done a, a couple of death matches before what you know i think a handful and so there was that storyline there there was that dynamic the there's there's other bits and pieces that you can weave into it i guess i'm just i guess i'm trying to defend i know you said you've got nothing against it i guess i'm just trying to defend it in a way but and then the stakes are to be crowned the the best that this one specific thing um one once a year do you know what i mean yeah i mean like hats off to you because obviously you obviously you know what you're going on about um you are a big fan of it and if you if you love it and you defend it hats off to you i think if i was ever going to do anything like that i'd want to see something crazy like a table made of glass or whatever insane thing you can come up with uh-huh. and the, the participants not be able to touch it or not actual um not i don't want to put it so if it's kind of out to one side it's by the crowd and they keep trying to drag them to this pit of doom and they don't do it for 10 15 minutes to the very 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 end oh yeah that's, that's well, that, that, that you've got to save you that tells me a story you, yeah you you've got to save you your, your biggest spots to the end it's just when uh, people run out, grab, grab something. It's like, come on, build up to it. Give me, give me something. Tease me. Give me a bit of foreplay. Don't fuck me. It's yeah. Well, that, that's that's and the, and that's what, <laughs> that's the, the beauty of of what the the last two DOAs have been is that you've seen a little bit. Maybe, maybe the, the first one. I, I think we, you know, like I, I will think it's it was a little tame. Uh, apart from the the final, um, Jesus Christ, the final was mental. Um, but the the early rounds, the there wasn't much blood. I mean, I'm not you know the the guys still hurt themselves and they they went through loads. But I think in comparison to the likes of a tournament of death or a king of the death matches, um, the it, it may have been a little tame for some people's tastes. It was still insane. And then this year we've come in and it it, it got turned up uh, a fair bit. You know the likes of. Uh, session Moth, Martina and Jimmy Lloyd tall lumps out of each other with drawing pins. Um, oh, Ricky so Shane well. Page and, and Charlie Evans. Uh, the fans brought the weapons, the fans brought so many ridiculous things, it was insanity. Um, uh, and then oh, what are the other two? I think and Clint Mogere and um, Spike Trevay had a carpet strips match, <laughs> uh, and Jack Jester. And Aspen Faith had a barbed wire match uh, with uh, Jack Jester bringing out a crown of thorns made out of completely barbed wire and proceeded nice. to tombstone Aspen with it on his head. Nice. I yeah. mean, 
so it so that and then from then on we had a light tube match and we had a, a a two out of three panes of glass match. Uh that was our there are semis and then an extreme death match in the final. Uh with all manner of stuff. Uh, I, I honestly DOA 2020 was one of my favorite shows I've called because it did it not only amped up everything from last year, it felt bigger as well. Uh in in, in our new venue and everyone just went all out for it. It was great. All right, so we're going to gloss over slightly. We'll go. We'll move on from death matches. I want to know a little bit about you. So you've been in this business for coming up to six years. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know about pranks because I know that you're not necessarily a prank kind of guy. You're not one of them kind of people. You're just very sensible at shows. You, for the most part, whenever I've seen you, you kind of keep yourself to yourself. You're very professional. Yeah. Uh, me, I'm a bit of a dickhead. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't help it. Um, but have you ever at any point in while well, in this business ever pranked someone or someone pranked you, whether it's um, a, good, a good one or a bad one? Call it, and obviously, you can I don't take... know about I, I don't know about me personally or if I've ever done it. I've, I've been in on it, do you know what I mean? But I've never, I don't think I've ever been the one to orchestrate it. So uh, give, was, give us one that you've been, one... in, you've been in on. The what? So give us one that you've been in on. Uh, there was one where we were traveling from. I think it might have been back down from Scotland. We'd just done a, a show for EPW. I was ring announcing. Um, and Miles Johnson, long long may he live, and uh, uh, John's retired now, uh, but Miles Johnson was... John is a lovely, lovely human being. And in a similar, a similar vein to how you described Dave Del Vecchio, he's definitely not slow because he's written a master's on politics and my word does that man know his know his stuff about politics um but 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 miles um yeah miles wouldn't be so quick to catch on to to certain things happening and um there was there was one time i I can't a hundred percent remember i think we'd left someone's or we told him We'd left someone's phone number on um, one of the, you know, one of the activity sheets that you can get at McDonald's. Yeah. So one of them was on the wall in in one of the the service stations, and we'd left someone's phone number on it. And I think we'd left there was like a, a crude message or something to go along with it uh, <laughs> to call this number. It was nobody in the car, but we told it was like, oh this person yeah we and we're telling people that they've done this and. And Miles for about fifteen minutes into the car, James like, guys, I've, I feel really bad. We should go back. You know, we can't do that. We can't. We can't get away with it. You know, like, and what? What if someone does call that number? And we're all there, just like trying to not crease and just go. Oh no, it'd be funny. Don't worry about it. You know, like he, he'll know. He'll take it. They'll take it as a joke. And he's like, guys, it's not. And then we eventually get. It's like. You know, we didn't put it there. I was like, "Ah, oh, you bastard!" And he just flipped. It was, it was fantastic. Although Miles would get his own back on long car journeys um, by playing the most annoying Eddie Stobart game anyone has ever played. And I feel sorry telling this because if this is if if young children or if anyone I even even feel sorry this telling this to you because you will start doing this to annoy people when you see an Eddie Stobart. You have to scream Eddie Stobart at the top of your lungs within the confines of a car. 
and it is loud, and especially if it is at four in the morning, Miles, when people are trying to sleep, it's a bit jarring. Um, and, and yeah, it, so he, he got his own back quite quite a number of times. See, because I always go in with the, uh, the, the Dynamite Kid kind of ruling where no one ever dared to prank him because he was always going to get you back twice as bad. So, right. I, and I've gone down that route that I've got no shame in it. So, so if, I'm, pr- if I'm pranking people, then yeah. all ever that we're wary about getting me back. Yeah, the, there was one actually that I was told by the legendary Mr. Johnny Saint. Okay. Uh, so, I, when I was doing my um, uh, research, my dissertation, um, I was fortunate enough to be invited to the Leeds Wrestlers reunion. Um, oh, yeah. as it, was only, it was only a 30-minute drive from where I was living, and so I got picked up and uh, was taken over um, in, in the car coming over from, from Liverpool. John Kenny was going uh, anyway, so... Um, and got to interview a ton of legends who gave me some wonderful material for my dissertation. Uh, and at the end of every interview, uh, I would just ask them, um, is there any stories you can tell me from backstage? Because my, my original plan was to write a uh, play about and use some of these anecdotes within the play, like, you know, re- based on real events sort of thing. Yeah. And the only person who did actually, you know, the, a lot of them just sort of laughed it off as, oh, no, I couldn't, couldn't tell you any of those stories, son. I was like, OK, fair enough. But Johnny Saint, to his credit, did tell me the story. So they were, um, there was a wrestler who he didn't tell me his actual name. Uh, he just referred to him as Twinkle Toes. So there might be some, somebody might know who that is. Uh, Keith Myatt might know who that is. Um, and Twinkle Toes had a horrible habit of uh, snuff. You know, the, the sniffing. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, um, we'd have a little box and we'd always, you know, this, that, or the other. Um, and so Johnny Saint thought he was going to have a bit of fun. And Johnny Saint went out for his match first. Oh, no, maybe he didn't. No, he didn't. So Twinkle Toes goes out for his match. Johnny Saint grabs the box of snuff and uh, puts sneezing powder in it. <laughs> and then proceeds to glue the snuff shut. He glues the cage shut and then puts it back in his bag as if nothing's happened. Twinkle Toes comes back through the curtain. First thing he wants to do is grab his snuff and, you know, even himself out. Can he open this case? Can he balls? And he's like, oh, what's going on? I want to open, I want to open. Oh, and getting so, you know, he's already just been through a, 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 a tough, you know, a tough wrestling match. And now just wants to get his, into his stuff. He's tried so hard to open it. And he goes, and boom, cracks it open. And it goes everywhere. And he's like, oh, for God's sake. And so he grabs his, um, uh, he grabs, and, and he may have had two boxes. And so he glued the first one shut and, and put uh, the sneezing powder in the other one. I can't remember. One, one way around another. And so either way, he grabs, he, he either opens the box successfully or he grabs his second box. And then... What the? And he can he and Johnny Saint apparently was just in tears that this was happening. And I think that is one of the best, most wholesome pranks I can think of. 
Um, and and yeah, then uh, I thank Mr. Johnny Saint for telling me that story because that is from, from one of the most wholesome guys in the world. He's a Tell bit me about it, right? Wow, I don't feel too bad because I mean, like I, I can do little bits in wrestling. It's not too bad, um, but when I take it outside of wrestling, that's when I get in shit. Yeah, really, really bad. I mean, I, I don't. I, I should learn by now, but it doesn't happen. But I went to um, uh, Poundland, bought loads of padlocks. You get like a pack of like five small ones full of quid. Mm. Like this is this is amazing. So I bought like sort of ten quids worth. Got fucking loads of these fucking padlocks. <laughs> took them took them to my office job, and um, people like Dave Darvecchio and my announcer Daniel Terry. Uh, Geordie Stew and you know, other people that aren't in the wrestling business they'd bring bags, they'd bring coats they'd bring headphones and portable desk fans and I just can't help myself so I'm padlocking their coat to their bag to a fan and then I'll leave for the day before they even you know, come back to it so they, they're walking home because they can't get this padlock off and they have to carry portable fans and all this <laughs> home with them and they can't get into their bag. There was like, um, I don't remember if it was Daniel Terry, my announcer, or if it was Dave Drecky, I can't remember which. They had a bag with them with all their food in. And I, I had like 20 padlocks all over this bag. They couldn't get into it no matter what they did. And oh gets to God. dinner time. They're like, someone, someone must have a key. Someone must have a key. And I've got staying power for, for days. I'm like, I don't know, mate. I mean, I don't know who it was. I mean, I've been to meet. <laughs> So he's just he's just ragging this bag to bits. His food's going everywhere inside, and ah, oh, I was like, oh, I know I'm going to get in trouble for this, but it's gone too far. So, uh, in full of penny, in full of pounds. Who that cares? Absolutely glorious. But it's not like mean stuff. It's not like shitting in someone's Tupperware tub like you'd hear in WWE. But no, it's yeah. easy enough to irritate the living shit out of people. Yeah. So, well, uh, yeah, in, in, innocent enough, I guess. Yeah, innocent, innocent enough. But speaking of innocence, uh, chances are you've probably caught Dark Side of the Ring that's doing its rounds at the minute. You know what? I haven't yet, you know. Oh, okay. The chance well, to watch any of them. This actually plays pretty well for me. So obviously this business, it's the, the best of people and it's also sometimes the worst of people. It is what it is. I mean, I'm sure other businesses are the same, but we're just around this because it gets demonized in the media and so on and so forth. So I want to get your opinion on one or two roundtable discussions. Okay. Okay. So first one I'm going to, I'm going to have to ask you was ECW <laughs> overrated? Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to have to say it was ECW overrated. Do you know what? Like, I'm a big fan of uh, Old School Wrestling Review on YouTube. And they did uh, an ECW story arc. So they did ECW's first ever pay-per-view and their best pay-per-view before going on to the WWE ECW stuff. Yeah. Um, and the, the pay-per-views were great, but the actual, some of the actual wrestling was garbage. Yeah. Some of it was. And the you know, the there were the likes of an Eddie Guerrero, um a uh a Dean Malenko who would be on the card who would absolutely smash it, and then there were others that weren't at that level, but it is a credit to Paul Heyman that that he got people like that over 
who were maybe a bit still a bit green and yeah. ha- couldn't work a crowd. And he was like, right, you're going to do this very specific thing and you're going to get over. And yeah. he did because he knew he knew his fan base and he knew his crowd and he knew what would what would work. So a lot of the, the genius and a lot of the enjoyment goes to Paul Heyman. If you enjoy it for what it is, it's great. If you're looking for the best wrestling in the world, maybe look somewhere else. Very diplomatically put. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. So I'm going to chuck one more at you, and then I will move into the final uh, stage of this uh, <laughs> this podcast. Okay. Ah, and I, I asked this one um, a few people, and they, they kind of gave me different answers. So I, I think you're you're going to be clued in enough. So who really screwed Bret Hart? Oh my God! Um, oh Christ! It was. It, yeah. I mean, well, it it was Vince's. It was Vince's call, right? Vince was the one who wanted the title off him and wasn't willing to have the discussion about it or, you know, to to properly trust Brett to do the job. And it was a big ask. His bitter rival in life and in the ring, in his hometown, in front of his home fans, in front of his family when he's on his way out and there's been a little bit of tension there beforehand, fair enough. Shawn Michaels was part of it. He did what he had to do and he left. Earl Hebner is a... Oh, oh Earl Hebner gets me up the wrong way because Earl Hebner was telling, apparently telling Bret Hart all the way through the day, no, mate, don't worry, I've got you back. Nothing's going to happen out there. Nothing's going to happen. It's fine. He's the one who bloody called for the bell and then he pegged it as well. Um, so so yeah no but it it, yeah Vince orchestrated it and um, I don't know there's gotta be Vince McMahon must have known that coming out of this he was going to look like a prick he must have known (laughs) because no and I'll tell you for why because out of that very screw job came the heel Mr. McMahon character that turned Stone Cold Steve Austin into the biggest star that helped them win the war. Ah. He had to have known that by making that decision on that very point as like, what if, what if we did this to take the belt away from Bret Hart in his hometown and we just blindside the entire industry? No one's, well, they've done it once before, so it wasn't unprecedented, but to do that and to go, Oh, and then, and then, oh yeah, and then I can put the blame on Bret Hart. Make my, you know, everyone loves Bret Hart. Everyone's gonna hate me because I'm this big guy. And then we can have someone rise up and and be, you know what I mean? It's genius. It's it's, it's, it's brutal. It's genius. And so, but but to answer your question, Vince McMahon is the one who screwed Bret Hart, hundred percent. Okay. What have other people said? How is that not the answer? Um. Well, right, my is set on the fact that it was all a work. Interesting. I don't by, think uh, I, I, I don't think Bret Hart was was in on that at all. Not to have um, held, not to have held the grudge that he held for years. Me personally, and I don't know if this is because I'm a promoter, if I'm old school, I don't know if it's a combination of all of the above, but if you think about everyone else in the wrestling business that loses on their way out, why should Bret Hart be any different? 
for. You know I mean? But like, it was still, it, but it was still a screwed job. Oh yeah, so, don't wrong. It, it's a if if they had if WWE and Vince McMahon hadn't already have done it, I'd believe you. But they did it with uh, Wendy Richter and Fabulous Moolah with the black. Uh, so They'd already done it. If you've so, not seen Dark Side of the Ring, you're probably going to want to watch that episode because every person in that building knew that was Moolah. Come on, dude. Come on. Apparently, Wendy Richter didn't. Well, when she was putting the match together with her, did she not get a bit of a clue? It was all shoot. Have you watched the match back? Yeah, I've watched it back. But, like, she would have been in the back with her putting that match together. So, would she not have gone, do you want to take your mask off so I can see you? You want people like in the back? Who sits around in the back? It, may have, been, back? it may have been agented. It may have gone, this is what you're going to do. You'll see the person out there. This is the finish. Nah, the, other but... person, the other person's running late. You'll see him in the ring. So I don't know, you, I don't know you what turned, happened. You've turned you this back on me. I'm calling bullshit now. However, it's happened. No, I, I think that they've done it once before. Maybe, maybe it is. If it is all the work, then well played. You know, you have made, you have created something absolutely phenomenally huge uh, for and has and made you eventually let you take the company out of uh, you know. Um, you know, you, you beat them down and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I think Brett, I, oh, because when you think about it, Brett Hart's concussions at the hand of Goldberg cost them the war, really, uh, because no, they uh, then didn't have the star power and mm, they didn't have mm-hmm. they didn't have Brett Hart to you know be throwing good creative ideas in the. To you know, and so that—that's the whole reason they had to reform uh, the NWO I'm, I'm, with the with the the Finger Book of Doom because no, they needed Bret Hart no, no. the storyline. Two things that we're going to say that we're, we're going to move on. So when when we stick all these podcasts up, uh, they'll go on to Spotify and so on and so forth. Uh, you need to ha- listen back to Ryan Myatt's. It's episode one. He had a Finger Poke of Doom with a girl that I didn't tell him I was going to talk about that story. Right. And oh yes. And he, I, I chucked him under the bus. It's something he didn't want me to tell. But, uh, yeah, so uh, that's one of the things. You can't blame Bret Hart's concussions on WCW going under. No, uh, there's obviously the, there is so much more that goes onto it than that. But that was, but Bret was set to play a major part in the main storyline. And it all fell apart. Because, of, Brett, because it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked without him. So that's why it fell apart. But all I'm going to say to you, it doesn't matter who was on that roster, look up the AOL Time Warner merger. Oh, God, yeah. That was, yeah, that, that's, course, that's what killed it. For anyone that says Kev, uh, Kevin Nash killed it, Bret Hart killed it, Goldberg killed it, if you, when the money runs out, nothing continues. And people overstate that and they say, Eric Bischoff ruined it. Like, well, at the same, at the same time, though, like, yeah, the, the merger may have happened, but WCW was still in a bad financial state at the time. Had they not been in such a bad financial place that Eric Bischoff would have been able to have turned around and and gone, I've put together a separate group of people. We're going to buy WCW and keep it going uh, if we can find another TV channel, which I'm sure they would have done. Maybe they'd have gone to USA. That that didn't have a, um, you know, Raw had gone to TNT at the time. So if they were off um, TNN, and gone to USA, which I'm sure they may would have done if they were doing the numbers. 
then maybe that was one thing. But it was it's an amalgamation of a ton of different finger pointing and and the the wrong things happening and yeah, crazy. So hats off to you fans for all that one because yeah, some people don't want to get into the weeds of things. But I know you're a passionate guy, so hats it's, off to you. It's it's history at the end of the day. It's like you know the you know I, I don't I don't think anyone should shy away from from talking about stuff that's you know okay okay. There's there's certain things in the wrestling business that maybe you don't go towards and things that are a little bit more touchy. But stuff like you know what killed WCW and and the the screw job are so infamously talked about that. I don't think I think everyone has an opinion on it, and nobody should be scared for, you know, unless unless it's going to absolutely ruin your character and ruin you for life. Don't talk about it. But I'm a commentator, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's, I mean, my own personal thing is because Brett wants Brett uh, going back a little bit. Brett went on every TV channel after this, telling everyone that the business is rigged and he got screwed. It's like Brett, you screwed yourself. I kind of side with. Vince on that by him going on TV and saying it's a fake business and they screwed me over. You look like the world's wettest towel in the world. It's like, oh god. Yeah, his, his rea- well, his reaction to it was poor, but at the same time, you can't really blame him for it. Like, you know, he's just yeah, been- you meant you meant to lose on the way out. Everyone has done that since time begun in this business. Why should he be any different? I agree, I but I just don't. I I can see is is is. You know, I think there was the whole personal thing with with Sean was what really kind of um, went into it. That I, I think had had they dropped the belt, I think it was, it was the title change more than anything. Had they done that the week prior, the you know, or whatever prior on house show, I think Brett would have done it and then lost a rematch for it. I think he would have done that definitely. But I think it was the drop in the belt you know losing the title belt in his hometown is, is was maybe what it was or maybe it was just losing to sean maybe if it was losing to anybody else he would have done it i'm just gonna say you can go round and round talking about it for yeah I'm, I'm gonna say patriotism kill bret hart maybe god damn buddy canadians now we're gonna get into this final bit of the uh, of the podcast, so mm-hmm. we get we're getting on for almost like coming up to two hours. So yeah, good episode. So I'm going to chuck a bunch of names at you. They might be from British wrestling. They might be from TNT. They might be from AEW, WWE. Doesn't matter. I'm going to chuck some random names at you, and I want you to give me the first words that come to mind. Now, bear in mind, I'm not trying to chuck you under the bus. Okay. But this is going to go unedited. So if you say something <laughs> that loses your bookings, that's up to you. Okay. Let's do this. Babyface Pitbull. Hard worker. Jay Apter. Legend. Dan Evans. Best friend. I, oh, oh, I don't want to say that. Yeah, but obviously Dan is my best friend, but he's somebody I would not be in this business without. Another legend. Beautiful human being. There you go. All the words. Hulk Hogan. Cunt. <laughs> okay. Uh, Chevy <laughs> Martel. Sorry, who was that? Uh, Chevy Martel. Sensational Sherry. Um, underrated. Well played, too. Uh, I'm going to chuck another one out here. Jimmy Havoc. Legend. Lovely guy as well. Kim Rocks. Legend. I keep saying the same words. I need to say um, lovely person. Inspiration. There you go. Dave the Rave. <laughs> oh, I could say one word, but I'm not going to. Um... He's never going to listen. Good, good drinker is what I'll say. Good drinker. Terrible dancer. 
Yeah, he is, but he's a good drinker. Uh, Ryan Myatt. Nice guy. Uh, the Draper Brothers. Uh, know their stuff and two lovely human beings. Uh, yeah, legit, I cannot follow you on that one. You won't get two nicer guys in, in the history of the world. It's absolutely mm-hmm. crazy. And last but not least, Steve Saxon. Struggling a little bit? Yeah, because he's a nice guy. He is a nice guy. I, I love Steve on a... There's on definitely a, a, on a, I love Steve on a personal level. On a professional level, we butt heads a little bit. Oh, I okay. That's probably the, and I think and he, he'd agree on that too, uh, I think. So I think that's probably hey, the most diplomatic way to phrase that. You are like, I'm, I've been in the same boat. He's pitched me stuff sometimes. And I say, dude, that, that shit ain't fucking happening. Because, uh, yeah, some of his ideas can be a bit out there, but that's fair enough. But it's always good to butt heads with people because at least you know you're both passionate about what you're going on about. Yeah, 100%. I don't think there's, you know, if, if you truly want to, everyone, I think that really annoys me about pro wrestling is people say, if you're, you know, if you're in this to not, if you're in this to, for anything other to make money, you're in it for the wrong reasons. But, you know, like, uh, that's to be successful at it. If you love pro wrestling, you love entertaining, then that's why you should, then there's no other reason to be in it than you love it. And don't let, anybody else tell you that you shouldn't be in this business for any other reason than a good one do you know what i mean and and, and yeah. a good one in my books is you love it because who doesn't everyone's still everyone at any level in the business is still a mark i hate people who seem they're too cool to care about wrestling because they're, uh, they're yeah. at a certain level it's like you know you're you're still a fan the same as the rest of us you know like the the just enjoy it and if you pop for something okay you, you've popped just because you're you know just because you're not a paying customer doesn't mean that something hasn't popped you or that you're not marking out for something you know so it, it just whatever way you enjoy pro wrestling be that as a fan be that as a wrestler enjoy pro wrestling love it i don't think i could i could say it's any better than that i think that's a perfect line to to wrap up this uh, podcast is there anything that you want to promote while you're on because i know you're um yeah i'm on twitter at uh announcer kieran um and i'm on uh instagram at through the keyhole key is spelled k-i-e so that's through the keyhole um k-i-e um and that's on instagram uh yeah um you can catch me at tnt extreme tnt ignition uh, I also do ring announcing for Mr. Cats whenever I can. They are such fun to do. Um, uh, and yeah, um, stay safe, be kind to one another, and thank you very much for having me on. Superb. So, ladies and gents, he's been Kieran Moran. I've been Filthy. This has been episode six of Snap, Crackle, and Cheap Pops. It's been an absolute pleasure, and we shall see you again next time. Thanks for listening. Check out Pro Wrestling For You on all social media platforms and stream our back catalogue of shows over at pw4uondemand.co.uk.